correct? So am I correct in saying not launching an MVP soon enough and not asking the right validation questions? That is the reason that you weren't able to get to your goals for multiple years. Yeah, exactly. I would agree. I would agree. Welcome to How I Fixed It, a podcast where we cut the noise and learn step-by-step strategies entrepreneurs use to grow. I'm your host, Madhav Malhotra, and today I'm lucky to be joined by Ayush Bhargava, the co-founder of Changeroom. Changeroom is an app that gives you access to local sustainable fashion stores, and I'm very excited to learn more about Ayush's three-year journey, making way too many pivots to count as he built Changeroom. Thank you again so much for taking the time to join me today. I know I am so excited to hear about your startup journey and it'll be a little bit before we can actually get to what you are doing today, but let's get started at the beginning. Could you quickly introduce who you are and how you got started working at Changeroom? Yeah, for sure. So I started Changeroom in high school, in high school, I, I started like the robotics club. Uh, I was always like starting like different things, you know, being part of a lot of different organizations. And I uh, eventually learned about uh, entrepreneurship from a DECA organization. So it's like a business case study competition. And from that, I actually just started off by, you know, writing problems or, around me that I was experiencing. So like my first ever idea was a, like a voice application which would talk to you while you were cooking and tell you commands. And then obviously eventually after that, Google came out with, the, with, with a very similar tool, but, it, but I had the idea before that. And then I started just writing out different ideas in, in like a notepad on my, on my phone, uh, just any problems I was experiencing day to day, you know, any random, random product problems. And in the middle of high school, I just came up with the idea of the beginning of Change Room, which was a sizing platform. And that was because it was just me and my friend just throwing out very silly ideas. He didn't have any shoes on. So he's like, okay, what if there's a platform which you can rent shoes on demand? And I was like, wow, <laughs> sounds really stupid, but you know, okay, renting clothing. <laughs> so why, why aren't there any online platforms at that time that, that you can rent clothing? And I was like, that's, that's a decent idea. Like when do people like rent often? I'm like, you create a platform surrounding, you know, renting Halloween costumes or, you know, renting suits because you don't use those often. And I then realized that sizing is the biggest problem with online clothing platforms. So I guess my original idea was a sizing tool, which would help people, you know, find their size online. So <laughs> that's a cool memory. Like when you make it big, now you know, hey, it all started <laughs> in this little notebook. When you had these ideas, was it usually just like a let me try and be creative and brainstorm? Or did you do anything once you had an idea? Yeah, I mean, the idea, most of the ideas I had were just kind of stemmed from problems. And pretty much, I guess, what ended up happening is like I pick out like the biggest problem. At that time, I was just like, okay, let's just start building this. Obviously, it was not the next step that you should be taking but you know like let's just start building this well you've come a long way since then so now mm-hmm. that you actually got started you had the idea okay you have the sizing app did you do any validation could you tell us about that journey yeah so for that journey i mean I, we, we sent a google form to like a couple of friends and you know just ask some basic questions about sizing 
at, at, at that time, you know, sizing was a pretty well-known problem online. So it wasn't like a, a big surprise that it was an issue. So I guess, yeah, then after getting that initial, you know, just the results from a Google form, maybe 50, 60 people responded. We're like, okay, let's just start, you know, building a, building a solution. <laughs> okay. So you were building the solution to create no sizing. And I'm sure like, if you have a technical background, it might just be like a cool project. At which point did you start to think, okay, let me also think about the customers or the business plan or. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I actually don't have a, I didn't have a technical background at that time. So I, I had to get like a partner who would be able to like code such a project and pretty much we, we came up with a very ridiculous solution to create a 3D model of a person through our app and uh, be able to try on clothes. And we're like, okay, so there's, some, there's some PhD papers out there that are talking about this, maybe uh, very much, very, very advanced technology out there that might, could, that's open source. And why don't we just try using that? And <laughs> I mean, it, it was way out of our, our reach to, to do that, but we got stuck trying to do that for the longest time, like eight, six to eight months trying to build that. But I guess the, the biggest learning from that whole process of trying to build such an advanced app was like, your MVP has to be very, very simple. <laughs> it's not something super advanced, such a thing. You, you just got to focus on just solving the problem without, you know, all these advanced technologies. Also at the same time, while trying to build that, I guess like the, the, the person I was working with was not as, you know, involved with it. He didn't feel as motivated to do things. So it wasn't a, uh, I wasn't a great a co-founding relationship with that particular person. So it's, it's, it's definitely a difficult process to find uh, uh, somebody who's as motivated to build something as you are. So if you were to like go back in retrospect, knowing what you know yeah. now, yeah. what do you think are the big factors to look out for when you're trying to choose the ideal co-founder? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so like I came from a, obviously like a non-technical co-founder background the biggest advice that people would say is like, learn how to code yourself because a technical like co-founder, they have the upper hand because they have all these skills and knowledge and everyone can say they do the business side, but no, no technical person wants to hear that ever. Like, Oh, I got the idea. Why don't you code it for me? They have like a lot of other things they'd rather do than that. Right. But that's the biggest advice, especially if you're really young is to just learn how to do development. Yeah. Then as you move forward from this phase of like, you know, half committed co-founder plus just building yeah. out the tech. Obviously that's not what change room is now. So what changed in between? Yeah, for sure. So to give a little time span of that, it would have been fall 2018 to spring of 2019 when we we're trying to build that very advanced process. And then I ended up, I decided to take a co-op in grade, grade 11. And I worked at this digital marketing firm, which also had developers. So I actually found a, somebody who could actually do some development for that summer because we actually also became part of the Ontario summer program where they give you $1,500 to start your business and $1,500 at the end. We got into that and that convinced that developer to be like, okay, it's worth, it's worth joining their team to build it. And at that time, we still had that very advanced vision, but at that time it was like beginning of July, we were like, okay, yeah, this is not possible at all to build such an advanced tool. And we were like, okay, like at that point, we just stopped that idea completely. And we, we for like a whole, maybe couple of days, we're like, okay, what are we going to do now? We got this money, but we can't build the solution. And we're just like throwing out like random ideas, the most random ideas. You know, we just searched up 20 business ideas on Google, some like random stuff like that. And 
eventually we came to the point like, okay, wait, you know, like clothing sizing is still a great place to be in. Why, why get away from that? And we're like, okay, let's just make this solution a bit more simple. And that solution became, how about we just ask customers very simply ask customers, you know, what is your height? What is your weight? What is your, um, you know, your shoe size. And then from that, we'll be able to, you know, provide recommendations because, you know, we're better than size charts because now we can save your data and you don't have to, you know, remeasure every time. So we're like, okay, that's one up from that. And, you know, it seems like a decent solution. But before that, we were like, okay, let's, let, let's like, let's actually validate the solution. So we actually went to Parliament Hill. <laughs> it was July. So we're like, okay, let's go and talk to these random, I'm, I'm assuming people that shop online. And we asked like three questions. And one of the questions was, would you use a solution? Which is probably one of the worst questions to ask. <laughs> but anyways, we, we, that was our feedback. And we, we did talk to a lot of customers, like 500 customers on Canada today. So it was, a, it was a lot of hustle, but I don't know if we really got real validation from that, <laughs> but it was still worth the, you know, getting out of the comfort zone and just talking to random people. Yeah. So now that you're at like Parliament Hill, uh, mm-hmm. you're asking 500 people, why exactly is it a bad question? Like, would you use the solution? Yeah, because when people, when you ask that question, like nobody would say no, like would you use a solution? We will say yes to like almost every solution that tries to solve that problem, but the solution could solve their like 50th problem, right? So, and but you want to be solving that number one or two or three, three problem that they're experiencing. What it also does is says, okay, this is the best solution because all these people have said yes to it, right? And it does it makes you like just zone in on that one solution. And that's never a good idea, right? You want to be open-minded when you're talking to these customers. You don't want to be coming in, okay, let's validate the solution and then we're good. Then we're going to start selling. So what would be examples of better questions to ask? I think what is the hardest part about finding the right size online? would be a, would a good, good starting question because then it kind of gets like an open-ended question. You learn about like their pain points, like, oh, I, I don't have measuring tapes at home or I don't, I don't ever use size charts, right? It just takes too much time. Um, so you get some, just some like open-ended answers to that and you just kind of learn about the pain points of the current solution. And then I'd say another good question is, so like when was the last time you uh, tried to find, find your size online? And you would kind of get some like real life examples of the solutions. So like I was, I was at my computer, I, I was actually at work, right? But you don't have a measuring tape at work when you're surfing online, right? So that kind of gives you some context behind it. And you're like, okay, so part of my solution, I cannot include a measuring tape because people don't carry around a measuring tape everywhere. So that's, a, that's an example of why context kind of helps you. Um, and then why was it hard is another good question is like, it kind of like pinpoints the specifics of if it's a, a real like problem they're experiencing, you know, helps you explain the value and benefits of your solution. And then another really good question to ask is what, if anything, have you done to solve the problem? So if they're actively like looking for a solution, like, oh, I tried this um, sizing tool online. It didn't really work, but, and then you're like, oh, wow, these customers are actually looking for alternatives. Cause if they're not looking for alternatives, it's not, it might not be a burning desire for them to solve it. It's not, might not be worth investing into, right? And then finally, like, what don't you love about the solutions you've tried? And that's really good because they've tried different solutions and like what feature did they not like? And it helps you kind of figure out what features your solution should have and how your solution would be different than the current ones on the market. So those are the five kind of questions I would ask if I was going to do it again.
And so how did you transition from that July to like where you are now? Yeah. So yeah. So at that time I still was not technical, right? So I had my other technical people still working on, working on that solution. It turned into becoming, okay, let's just make this a web app that could be embedded onto, onto people's sites. And then using that, people would be able to find their size um, without having to use a size chart. So that's how, like how the kind of the technical part of the tool would be like, they would put in their measurements and then they'd kind of get a recommendation. Um, but the one step we did, which was really good was we actually went out and we went to talk to customers. We got out of our office, which we were working on and we we're like, okay, let's go talk to customers. And we went this time, we went to talk to the brands themselves, the retailers. Uh, we went to Ottawa. We just knocked on all these clothing owner stores and we we're like, okay, Hey, is this a problem you're experiencing? Like is returns a huge issue for you? And we actually got a lot of good feedback from them. Like, wow, we really are interested in this tool because this is a real problem for us. And we actually had, from that experience, we got like, like a committed, one committed customer. <laughs> Be like, okay, we're going to join you guys and, and you can build this solution for us. So it was good. And yeah, so, so we, we built that uh, tool over time and what a lot of, we would bring every like couple of weeks, we'd bring the tool to them and we say, Hey, what do you guys think of this? And most of the time it wasn't good. You're like, yeah, we got to, you got to go switch things up. Like you got to, you got to go back to the, go back to developing, got to fix this up. And that, that process actually happened for a very long time uh, until like October. No. Um, so when you were like first going and walking into stores, if you ask like the average kid to do that, they will definitely not do that. Any tools that you used, any things that helped you to keep, you know, knocking on doors when, most people inevitably will say, you know, like get lost. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like if you go with like one other person, it could be helpful because it's not like you're by yourself talking to these owners and really taking obviously the student angle is, is amazing because everyone wants to talk to students. You can, you can even take it in. If you're really trying to just focus on the problem, you can say, Hey, I'm doing a project on this. I just was looking to ask you a couple of questions. They, they won't they, they won't mind you know taking a couple minutes to talk to you were they small businesses or malls like stores no they they were small businesses um yeah we were we, we were like hey, let's just work with local uh businesses because it's easier to get to the owners because the mall change they're like very they're huge yeah so what's an example of a change that one of these store owners wanted from you yeah so i guess an example of a change she wanted was we initially had the idea of, you know, of asking people what their measurements were. And she was like, that's not that much better than a size chart. And I'm like, yeah, she's like, okay, see if you can create, if you could expand that further. Like she didn't give me anything specific, but she's like, I, I like, I like that you guys are solving this problem, but you guys got to think of a, a better way to approach this. Cause it's, 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 yeah, it's not, it's not worth for me to pay for something like this. So she was like, she was like always like brutally honest. So then we're like, okay, hmm, what's a, can we solve this problem with an easier approach without having to ask people for their measurements? And uh, we came up with, here's a list of like 20 brands, pick one of these brands that you often wear and then select your size uh, for that brand. So I wear like an Adidas, medium, Nike pants and, and, and their shoes. Right. And then you give their size. And then we pretty much, what we did was, okay, let's, this, all this data is online, right? All, their, all the size charts are available online. So we just collected all this data. For, we just went through each site, like the Nike site, Adidas site, and we went through all their size charts and we just put them all on a big spreadsheet for our algorithm to use. 
<laughs> and yeah, so that's one up solution to what we had before. Mm. And then, you know, that still isn't what change room is now. So transition between that phase and progressing towards what change room is now. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, so at that point, we, we, we actually ended up launching our, our tool on two of the clients' uh, websites. So we kept it on, on, that, on there for a couple, couple months. Um, it, was, it was all right, but it was not a great user experience. But, you know, we at least accomplished something by putting it on people's sites. And at that point, it was good enough for some reason for us to win this award, Ottawa Business Awards. We, we applied just for the fun of it. <laughs> we're like, hey, we're working with all these local businesses. And somehow we won Best New Ottawa Business of 2019. So <laughs> we went to the, this Business Awards <laughs> and there were a bunch of executives. We d- definitely did not belong to be there, but you know, we were there. And it turns out the Shopify executives were there as well. So we're like, let's connect with them. And we ended up getting like a meeting with them at the Shopify offices, which is really, really cool, which is an awesome experience. And, and then they, they told us all about the Shopify program, how they actually like allow businesses like us to create tools for their 1 million plus merchants slash businesses. They're like, hey, we got a developer program. Why don't you guys look into that? Why don't you guys like build an app for our program? And we're like, wow, look at that. We didn't realize that there was such a program out there. So um, one of the things we learned about there is that this new set of solutions they were building for their merchants was coming out and that was called sales channels. So it allows their merchants to go on a marketplace. Like currently they could go on like Facebook marketplace, Amazon marketplace, Walmart marketplace. Um, and they were opening it up to any developer to make their own marketplace. And we're like, wow, let's, let's take advantage of this opportunity and, you know, let's build a marketplace. That's how the beginning of that idea started. <laughs> and another question like, did you often just randomly apply to awards like eh, let's just see what happens or was this like a you know this was the one award we applied to and we just happened to win oh uh, no i guess we applied to a couple things but this is this is the only award thing we ever applied to and we somehow got it i was like why not right and the people i was working with they're like no we're never gonna get it but i just i pushed them like let's just apply let's just see what happens that's really cool yeah yeah, yeah. It turned out in the end, and I guess it puts you on like the track towards where you are now. So yeah. you had this again technical idea that started your journey. Like, were you again in validation mode, trying to figure out whether your specific marketplace could work? Yeah. So we 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 made the same mistake again. We did not validate actually at all for that one. Well, we were like, hey, local businesses they need to connect with their customers, and what's the best way to do that? A marketplace. So we were like, okay, sure. Let's just, let's just build a marketplace app. And we're like, oh, it's new tech, right? Like it's something that these merchants have never seen before, right? Because nobody's ever built like a marketplace app at that time. So we're like, okay, let's build, let's build just new, new tech that we think that they might like to join. And then we just spent that whole summer, you know, learning how to build iOS app and a Android app and use like a language called React Native, which allows us to build both at the same time. And that was the time I was like, okay, I'm going to build my t- technical skills as well because I'm like, I actually want to get involved. I want to start contributing. So I started building my technical skills and we just spent that whole summer without talking to a single, it was COVID as well, with quarantine. And so that was like uh, all of last year. And now where are you at? <laughs> yeah. So I guess in the fall, we were like, okay, so we, we, we came to Waterloo and we were like, hey, we built this marketplace app for local fashion businesses. 
where like we told that to like one of the velocity advisors like yeah you guys are no 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 this is not good you guys got to get a target market you got to pick a niche everyone tries to build a marketplace everyone wants to build marketplaces because those are the money makers so they're like okay yeah you got to go back got to get validation you have to <laughs> he's like okay yeah you just can't sneak past and not talk to customers after that we started doing good things we started doing the right stuff uh, so actually at that time i i wanted to learn about the different niches of sustain of fashion and i'm like where would this where do marketplaces exist so we actually reached out to somebody who built a similar tool he, he built a marketplace earlier exact same idea local how to find local fashion businesses and he his failed he, he spent like millions and millions of dollars from investors and it actually failed the whole business so he told us a lot of advice but he said one advice that really stuck out to me and i was like you have if you're building a marketplace it's a completely different game than a software as a service a product but for a marketplace you have to pick a niche are you going to compete against amazon asos uh, all these big uh, marketplaces and you don't want to compete against those billion dollar marketplaces ever so yeah then we just spent time understanding the different niches of fashion and just eventually we learned about after visiting a fashion conference it was like oh sustainability and i was like wow i didn't at that time i did not learn know much about sustainable and i was like this seems like a really good area to be in because sustainable fashion seems from what these people were talking about is the future so it was good at that point and and that was when the research phase started the new validation phase started and then how did you find this advisor when you came to the university of waterloo yeah so waterloo offers like something called the velocity concept and they have a free advisors for anyone to you can just book an appointment and you just and they you can talk to a really cool advisor for free pretty accomplished one as well mm-hmm. and then with the person that you met from like the similar marketplace how did you get in touch with that person yeah we learned about that marketplace by just searching up and we just we messaged him on linkedin and we reached out to him and we're like hey uh we we learned about your marketplace called called localized and we were building something similar and we wanted to get some uh, input from you understand kind of the lessons you learned from your marketplace and and he was like open to doing a call with us which is very nice of him yeah so we learned about a bunch of stuff from that yeah that's really amazing that he got to share all the wisdom are you still in touch with him yeah he's still our advisor actually <laughs> <laughs> and again this is not someone you're paying this is not someone who owns your company this is just someone who wants to help you yeah yeah we met a lot of very nice people in this whole process yeah that's uh, that's amazing to hear so that was in full um we started pivoting again so you did some research and you thought okay sustainable fashion that could be a niche so then how did you validate that one yeah so this time we we went to talk to real life brands so we actually, I just cold called a bunch of brands out there and I just for marketplaces it's kind of different than a SaaS approach because we eventually learned that like for brands for them to be on a marketplace they just want more sales that's all they care about they care about if if i join this marketplace will i get an increase in sales and that's what that's their biggest uh takeaway if you want to work with a brand so we just we got a lot of brands interested cuz there were no sustainable fashion marketplaces out there right now actually still there's no sustainable fashion marketplaces in north america so we we just started that process of you know reaching out to different canadian brands and we actually noticed that this idea worked in europe because there are actually sustainable fashion marketplaces in Europe that are doing pretty successful. 
so yeah, we got, we got like during just a cold call during one day, I was able to get like 10 brands in. It was a very successful day, but yeah, we got 10 brands to be on board on the platform. What were you doing with your cold calls? <laughs> so we, we, it was more of a conversation with these people, which led to them being like, yeah, I'll be part of it. Like I didn't like pitch pitch right away. I, we just talked a lot about their problems right now. And when you were just asking for time, did you find like the owners were busy when you called or people would defer you or like, oh, I'm, I'm the owner's not here. I'm just like, oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. It definitely happened a lot. And that one day I mentioned was like the luckiest day I've ever had where there's just owner after owner after owner. But usually it's like an employee saying, yeah, the owner's not here. And they're like, can, can we call you back? And that's like, you never want to hear that because they're never going to call you back ever. You have to be very persistent. You got to keep on calling back saying, hey, is the owner in? And then eventually, like, is there a time that I can call back and they'll be in? And eventually the owner will be there. And it'd be nice because most owners are pretty, they'll give you the decision at that point. They'd be like, yeah, I, I think this is something we'll do. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's nice. But for me, like the, the issue was always like, okay, you call like 20 people in a row and then like you get one person and one person says no like how do you keep the motivation to just like keep picking up the phone again did you ever have that issue oh yeah for sure yeah we definitely got like rejected a bunch and i feel like sad but i just <laughs> maybe stopping after that much time and just be like okay we'll, we'll come back and we'll we'll take a break um because yeah doing a lot of sales is not a incredibly rewarding experience for sure yeah, that's and uh, cold outreach. So now that you had like the, you know, uh, 10 plus people on board, they said, yeah, we can do it. How did you first start piloting, implementing the prototype? What phase are you at right now? Yeah, so we got the, at that fall, we got the velocity, like we won the whole, like the pitch competition at Waterloo. So we got that funding, which is really nice, like $5,000. And it was great. So then we kept really close with a couple of these owners to make sure we're building an integration, which would allow them to onboard onto our marketplace really easily. So yeah, we, we got their feedback. We, we really tried to make sure that it's easy for owners to get onto our, our marketplace. It was actually a really big problem for most people. And we realized that, that tech was actually really good. What we built that like that allows owners to get onto your marketplace within minutes they were able to get onto our marketplace. So we made that really smooth experience. Um, and obviously at the same time, the other part where we, we talked to users, we did customer interviews about their problems in sustainable fashion. Like, and all, like the, the questions I mentioned, I asked them as well. Uh, so I obviously got some good feedback from that. And we did another set of interviews where we launched our beta with a couple uh, retailers. So not all, all the all 10, but we did it just a couple retailers and it was like three retailers. And that was in February, March. So we, we launched that on the Apple and Google play store. And, you know, that was the, that was like the beginning stages. And we just, for that, we, we can call that like the first launch, but it didn't really go anywhere. The best thing we did from that was we got feedback from users on the solution and made it, made improvements. And this, the, the advice of Ian, the person I mentioned earlier, he's like, keep, keep on launching. Airbnb like launched like three times. So then we just, you know, we got the feedback and we're like, okay, let's just launch again. So in May we launched again, but this time the biggest feedback we got from those customers are like, you don't have enough selection. And obviously we only had three retailers. So this time we're like, okay, let's get like, let's make sure we got a bunch of selection 
And what we realized is even in sustainable fashion itself, there are quite a variety of brands. They're like millennial focused brands. There's, you know, there's boutiques and we're like, okay, we're going to take a very beachhead strategy approach, which is very important uh, in marketplaces. And that means picking a niche in terms of your geographical location or product categories. So every, almost every marketplace when they start is they pick a particular, one of those two things I mentioned, geographic or product. And we're like, okay, we're going to launch in Toronto and we're going to focus on boutique styled products because those are the easiest to get on. So we got 13 boutique styled stores to get on our platform that were based out of Toronto in, in May, starting in May. And those guys are now on the platform and, and we launched in the middle of May. And now our focus is on the demand side on how to get these customers. So after going through the process of making all these pivots, any tips on like how to approach the decision, how to document your thoughts, how to reflect on the process? I mean, the reason the pivots happen most of the time is like you're not actually solving customer problem or or maybe you just lose interest in the current solution or it's not a good enough solution. It's like going back, everything kind of starts with the with those five good questions I mentioned earlier. You ask those five good questions and after you've validated that problem, like that is a legit problem, is building a solution as soon as possible. So it doesn't even have to be a technical solution. Like it could be just something like you put up on Figma, you design on Figma or something, you know, very basic, like to show customers. And then you can, you get some validation on your solution. So I think it's those two steps that's, that is most important. Launch as soon as possible and make sure you're asking the right user interview questions. So you're not getting the answers you want. So am I correct in saying like not launching an MVP soon enough and not asking the right validation questions that's is the reason that you, I'm not going to say wasted, but the reason that you weren't able to get to your goals for multiple years. Yeah, exactly. I would agree. I'd agree. How many, how many years by multiple, by the way? It would be uh, three years. <laughs> three years. Well, yeah. uh, that's, that's quite an important lesson then. Like, okay, get yeah. these two things right. It could save you up to three years. That's a really important lesson. What's in my head is how did you find the perseverance to keep yourself and your team together this entire time where it's like three years of not failure, but not getting to the goal you have in mind? I guess we just relied on like the little successes that we had. So you always, you know, like stay motivated, like, you know, like that word we won, even though it wasn't really, we didn't really deserve it. And then like going to the Shopify offices and like, you know, celebrating the little moments because entrepreneurship, you're never going to get like a huge win maybe right at the end, but you have to, I guess, celebrate the little victories. You know, you've stuck through it like uh, three years and you're still sticking through it. Um, it's uncertain times. You went through a pandemic, you went through, you know, all the challenges and ups and downs of validation. And now like you finally get to go out and, you know, test the idea in the real world. So, well, it's a long process to go through. Yeah, definitely doesn't need to be that long, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One last thing, if um, people want to learn more about Change Room, where should they go? Yeah, you guys could, uh, you could go on our website, changeroom.io, or, you know, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. All right, I'll be sure to link to those resources in the description. And I, again, really appreciate you making the time to join me. Thank you. Appreciate it.